0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
1: Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Markia and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those venturing into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. I wanted to mention that we'll be recording this podcast live on April 8th. Get your tickets at loopedlive.com. L-O-O-P-E-D-L-I-V-E.com. We'll be telling some super spooky new stories we've been working on. And you can also join me for a meet and greet after the show. I really hope you will join me. And also special guest Edwin Kovarubius from the Scary Story Podcast for a great evening. The Hindu New Year is celebrated with bright colors, gifts, and greetings of goodwill. However, that doesn't mean that the ill intents of the unknown should be forgotten. There are many tales of demons and spirits that you should stay far away from. Remember these warnings while you celebrate. Because when you forget, that is when evil loves to strike. So enjoy the New Year. But beware the old horrors. First, the knock of death. Followed by the heartbroken seeking revenge. Then, any price paid to save a life. Finally, in our featured story, the worst things come out at night. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. And of those, the scariest ones make it into our podcast, along with the story that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. So, wanna hear something scary? New Year Old Horrors You cannot trust what knocks on your door late at night. There's never anything good on the other side of that, and once opened, you'll be forced to face it head on. Like in this story, inspired by Mandira. Dev and his friends Jay and Mandira were taking a long needed vacation to Bangalore. They rented a house near Bugle Rock Park and all the other tourist attractions so they would be in walking distance from the bars. The house was awesome. Each of them would have their own bedroom with private bathrooms. As they scoped out the spot, Dev noticed something odd. There was no signage or writing of any kind that read, nailbah, meaning, come tomorrow. It was common to see these words written all over town on walls, homes, and in businesses. Some believed that places did it just for the tourists. Others believed in the folklore. It was said that a long time ago there lived a beautiful woman in the small village of Karnataka who had the attention of every man, but she turned down suitor after suitor waiting for someone who was worthy. Eventually she chose her husband and everyone was baffled by her pick. The man was not rich, nor the tallest, nor the most good looking of them all, but this man truly loved her. He did not just love her beauty, but he loved who she was on the inside. On the night of their wedding, all the other men in the village, filled with rage and jealousy, burned the happy couple alive. It is said that her spirit seeks revenge for the men responsible for her murder. So every night, she visits random houses, and if anyone in the family opens the door, the man of the family dies all that will be left of him are his clothes. After a few disappearances, people came to know about this. So they stopped opening their doors at night and began putting up the words, "Nailba" or come tomorrow, to deter the spirit from coming that night. Mandira joked saying she had nothing to worry about and Jay didn't believe that legend. It's just a tall tale. Dev said they didn't have to believe, but he wanted to write the words on the wall just in case. Mandira stopped him and pulled up the renter's agreement. It specifically stated that if there were to be any writing on the walls, they would be charged an additional cleaning fee. Clearly, the rental agency had dealt with this before. Jay said it was not worth it and they should just head out for the night. They left all their worries back home, and lost themselves to the delicious food and music. A beautiful woman even approached Dev to dance and he was happy to do so until he took her hand. It was cold, unnaturally ice cold. He tried to hide his shock but her eyes narrowed and it felt like she was looking right through him. He smiled awkwardly and continued to dance with her but he prayed it would be a short song. When he went to twirl her around, he lifted her arm and noticed it was scarred from her wrist to her shoulder as if her arm had been badly burned. The song finally ended, and Dev hurried to find Jay and Mandira, relieved to get away from her. When he went to point out the woman to his friends, she was gone. Dev was freaked out, and the others were tired anyway, so they went back to the rental. It was two hours later when they all woke to a banging on the front door. Dev shot out of bed and went to the window. Looking down, he could hardly believe his eyes. It was her, the unnaturally ice cold woman from earlier. Just then Jay shouted, I got it. No, Dev yelled as he ran to stop Jay. It's her. Dev and Mandira met at the front door, but they were too late. At the threshold there was only a pile of Jay's clothes, but no sign of Jay. Thank you so much, Mandira, for inspiring this and telling us of your unfortunate vacation story. Listeners, have you ever come into contact with someone who you thought was supernatural? What did they look like? How did you know? Was it a feeling or was there just something off? And how about you in this story? Would you have written the words of protection on the wall? Even if it meant paying a steep fine?
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs
2: If you're in the wrong place at the wrong
1: time, you might be mistaken for someone else. You could even end up suffering a fate not meant for you, like in this true story inspired by Karun. It was the Hindi New Year, and my friend Hamil had a party at his house to celebrate. After a great evening, we all left around 11 p.m. There were four of us there that lived in the same colony about a kilometer away. It was a rural area with a lot of wildlife that could sometimes turn dangerous. But after all, there was safety in numbers. We walked back the usual route through the frigid night when Aryan suddenly stopped us all in the middle of the road. He announced that this was the perfect night to take the shortcut. We all paused because going that way meant going off the paved road and passing by that old, broken-down house, the house everyone knew was haunted. A woman and her son lived there many years ago until the boy was found mauled to death by a lion. His body was torn to shreds and there was no doubt what killed him. However, it was rumored that some of the other boys had lured the woman's son into the jungle and left him there, lost amongst the wildlife. Those boys were never found, and the mother died convinced her son was murdered by bullies. Aryan started to make fun of us for being scared, and one by one, everyone reluctantly agreed to take the shortcut. Normally, I wouldn't have gone, but at that point, I just wanted to get home as quickly as possible. We marched through the woods, and I felt my pulse start to speed up as we approached the path in front of the haunted house. The house was falling apart, crumbling from age and a lack of maintenance. The dust and dirt of years of neglect made the place look gray and full of nightmares. I wanted to turn back, but no one else was willing, so I had to press forward. I could see the paved road just beyond the house, and I knew if I could just make it to that far, everything would be fine, so I hurried my pace. Aryan called for me to slow down. He said we needed to be sneaky so as not to draw any attention from whatever spirits or ghouls were inside. I held my breath as we passed. Then from the corner of my eye, I saw a flickering light through the window inside the house. Do you see that? I whispered through gritted teeth. Everyone saw the light. It was odd as the house had been abandoned for many years and no one lived there. Suddenly, I saw a figure standing in the front window. I knew the others saw it as well when everyone bolted toward the paved road. All of us were running, but me, being the slowest among all my friends, I was trailing behind. As I sprinted, it felt like somebody clawed me in the back, but I kept going. None of us stopped until we got to the gate of our colony. When we arrived, we were gasping struggling to breathe with our hearts pounding. When Arjen turned to walk through the gate, I noticed his t-shirt was torn and his back bloody. We checked and each of us had our backs scratched. We'd all felt the same sharp dagger of pain as we ran. We then headed straight to our houses. I tried to explain to my parents what happened, but they didn't believe me. They thought I was just fooling around and making up an excuse for getting hurt. When I went to bed, I had a difficult time falling asleep and I had a nightmare as soon as I did. It was of an old lady chasing me and shrieking the words, You killed my son. I woke up in a cold sweat just after she killed me in my dream by scratching through my back with her talon-like fingernails. When I went to school and told my friends about the nightmare, I came to learn that each of them had also had the same experience. I began to panic. Something clearly happened to us out there, and I didn't want our nightmares to become reality. Arjun said his Nani, our grandmother, would believe us. She would know what to do. She had spent her whole life in Gujarat and knew everything about the history of the town. Aryan's Nani told us the woman who lived in the house, the one who lost her boy, could no longer live without her son, so she had committed suicide. We brought Aryan's Nani each of our torn shirts. She burned them and looked deep into the flames. She revealed that the woman's soul still resides in the house and will not rest until she finds the ones that lured her son to his death. Aryan's nani told us the one thing I never wanted to hear. We had to return to the haunted house. Even worse, we had to make an offering of our blood. Aryan's nani said if we left a vial of our blood and left without looking back, then the old woman's spirit would know it was not us who had killed her son, and would no longer plague our dreams. With needles to draw blood, we went back to the house and each left our offerings. Once the light started flickering in the house, we knew the woman was coming, and we ran before she could see us. I never looked back, but I saw Aryan steal a look back that night. He said he had to know what the spirit was going to do with our blood. He said he saw the woman, and she looked deep into his eyes as she drank all of our blood. For the rest of us, our nightmares never returned. But for Aryan... They've never stopped, and they never will. Thank you so much, Karun, for sharing your story with us. This is terrifying, and I am so sorry for your friend. It sometimes is best to just look forward and never look back. Listener, what experiences do you have with a haunted house? If you were afraid in this scenario, Would you be able to withstand the peer pressure? Would you have taken the long way around or that shortcut? Have you ever experienced something
2: like this that your
1: parents just didn't believe?
2: Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move.
1: When experiencing grief, it is common for people to make impulsive decisions. Not behaving rationally can be a fatal mistake, like in these true events inspired by Ran Narayun. Adarsh was a high priest for a Hindu temple in Fiji. He was heavily involved with the surrounding village and led ceremonies and functions. He was an Ayurvaduk doctor and practice herbal medicine for small pains like snake bites and wasp stings, which were frequent occurrences among the people. One day, Adarsh spotted Pry running up to the temple. He instinctively knew something was wrong, so he grabbed his medical kit and met Pry outside. They needed Adarsh's medical help in his car to get Pry's brother to the hospital because there had been a bad accident. By the time they got Pry's brother to the hospital, things were looking bleak. The bandages Adirsh applied had been bled through, and the herbal medicine he had given him had worn off. Adirsh said the only thing to do now was to go home, gather everyone, and use the power of prayer to reason with the gods. Pry had a different plan. There was a woman who was said to have gifts from the gods, and she believed this woman would be able to help heal her brother. Adirsh felt they should go pray instead, but that any other way might be tampering with Nishadok, or bad magic. But he didn't want to upset Pry any further, so they went to find this woman. They arrived at her home, which was massive with a beautiful garden. She seemed like a simple woman, sitting on her porch, knitting a scarf, she was in her early 50s with dark black hair and golden hazel eyes. After Pry told her everything, she said she would help. For the price of 8200 Fijian dollars, or around $4,000 US. Adarsh began to protest. He believed that healers should use their gifts for good without charging such outrageous prices. Pry impulsively said yes. After all, what choice did she have? They were talking about her family. The woman held back a smile and told them, Give me just 24 hours and your brother will be healed. The next morning, news spread through the town that Pry's brother, who had been fighting for his life all night, was now walking around like nothing had ever happened to him. Aldersh had to see for himself. He was filled with joy to see that Pry's brother was truly better, yet he was suspicious. He knew this was not the way of the gods. You cannot cheat death. As the village continued to celebrate the miracle, three hours later, it was announced that a child had suddenly died near the riverbank with injuries similar to the ones sustained by Pry's brother. Immediately, Adirsh took Pry and they went to see the woman on the porch. When they arrived, all of Adarsh's fears were confirmed. The once beautiful house was an old dilapidated shed, and the garden was just overgrown bushes and shrubs. There was no trace of the woman. Adarsh immediately knew that they were dealing with a dion, or evil witch. She used her supernatural powers to transfer the life of a living person into the body of one who was dying to help them survive. After checking around other villages, it was discovered that this dian had been traveling around the countryside, preying on the ill and their families, taking them for all the money that the dian thought that they could spare. Even worse, Adersh and Pry learned that the Dion's magic was only temporary. As Pry spent her final days with her brother, she couldn't help but wonder how things might have worked out if she had prayed to the gods instead of looking for a quick fix. Thank you so much, Ron, for telling us about your true experiences, which inspired the story that was just told. Everyone, what price would you pay for a loved one's health? I know that for me, I more than likely would have been in this story. I wouldn't have known the consequences, and money is fleeting. Was there ever a time you felt duped by someone like this? Is there any higher spirit that you go to for prayer? What have been your experiences with praying to your higher spirits? Let us know at somethingscary@snarl.com. Deep in the forests of India lurk devils in disguise. If you don't know exactly what to look for, it could cost you your life. Anya was excited to leave the city of Satara behind and head to the beautiful Indian countryside for school break to visit her friend Mahi's village. There were large farms and houses with a river in the center, all surrounded by a dense forest. It felt eerily empty for Anya, who was used to the bustling city. On Sunday, they decided to go to a nearby snack stall. Ice creams in hand, they wandered for hours lost in conversation. It wasn't until the sun went down that they even realized how late it had gotten. This countryside had no street lamps to light up the sky and no one else was on the road. Mahi checked her cell. She had five missed calls from her mother, Even though it wasn't the city, there were still things to worry about. All sorts of spirits came out at night. Mahi rang for a small three-wheeled taxi known as an auto rickshaw while they continued on the way back to Mahi's house. They walked for a while, trying to navigate the road with the light of their cell phones. There was a muffled noise in the distance behind them. Turning, Anya could see a large shape creeping towards them in the dark. Just as she was about to tell Mahi to run, a light suddenly turned on and she realized it was their ride. With a sigh of relief, they hopped into their seats and gave the driver their address. He grunted an acknowledgement and continued down the path. Why are you two roaming around at night? The driver asked. It's dangerous out here to be out like this. He told them, how there had been an uptick in crime in the area and paranormal incidents had taken place out in the woods. Agitated over the lecture they were receiving, Mahi asked him to just drive faster. Anya peered out the small window as her fear grew. She had never felt so far from everything, out in the middle of nowhere. She noticed the ornament hanging from the driver's mirror and that brought her comfort for a moment until something else caught her eye. She cried out as suddenly a woman sprang in front of the auto rickshaw. The driver pulled the brakes, halting to a screeching stop, but it was too late. After the impact, the woman was laid out on the ground behind them. Mahi shouted, let's help her, as she turned to jump out of the vehicle. But before her feet hit the ground, the driver grabbed Mahi by the arm and pulled her back into her seat. She isn't what she seems, he growled as he pressed on the gas to speed down the path. Mahi implored him to turn back, telling him she would report him to the authorities. Foolish child, he said. Then he told them, didn't you see it? That thing was no woman. That was a char a dead body reanimated by a demonic force. They're shapeshifters too, don't you trust your eyes? As Mahi continued to argue, Anya looked back to the woman in the distance. Her heart stopped as she screamed, making Mahi look back too. The woman on the ground was contorting her body back to standing. Her feet were turned the other way around with the toes facing her back. A wide smile drew across her face as blood drizzled out of the side of her mouth an unnaturally long black tongue licked at the blood as she began to chase them down the street, moving fast as if uninjured. Fast. Faster. The driver drove as fast as he could, causing the auto rickshaw to bump and jolt, nearly bouncing the two young women out into the road. As they held on for dear life, the creature finally disappeared from sight as the auto rickshaw outran it. Anya demanded to know what the driver knew. He pulled down the ornament he had hanging on the mirror and handed it to her to see up close. It was of the god Vishnu, protector of all the universe. He told them the Char-El could never be able to enter the vehicle or any place that had signs of the gods that kept them safe. So instead, the demon had tried to lure them out of the auto rickshaw, where it would then attack. Both Anya and Mahi sat in shock for the remainder of the trip. At last, they reached home. Mahi's parents hugged the teenagers tightly as they shared the events of the evening. Her parents were just happy they were home, safe and sound. But the next morning, a strange story spread around the neighborhood. A dead body had been found just outside the forest. When Anya's cell pinged with the official news alert, she was horrified to see the dead person was their driver from last night. Her heart sank. A wave of nausea washed over her as she ran to get her jacket. From the pocket, she pulled out the protective ornament that the auto rickshaw driver had shown her the night before. As guilty as she felt, she knew that Charl had seen her too. One day, it could come for her, just like it had come for the driver, and only this. Could protect her. This week's podcast stories were edited by Marquia McCarty, Sarah Kosowitz, and Dennis Culver. Narration by Marquia McCarty. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Produced by Hannah Mullen and Markia McCarty. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Linderman.